I hope you are already encouraged in the Lord. Thank you, Lori and Peter and Johnny for leading us in song. It's good to be gathered on the Lord's Day, this first day, first Lord's Day of the, the new year. I'm going to be sharing some thoughts from Matthew chapter 6 from the Sermon on the Mount this morning. We've had an eventful year in the province, in our country, of fire and floods and continued virus and public health orders and legislation in Ottawa, all kinds of things that perplex us and disturb us. And we need to find God's path. Humanly speaking, I would despair. I'd say there really isn't a way for us. I give up. In my own strength, in my own wisdom, I would like to commend you as God's people. It's a privilege to serve here as a pastor, to serve you as God's people in this particular example of God's people. I believe that there is a resolve amongst you in the midst of all of the things that we face to be God's people first and foremost. To find his paths more than just your own intuition, more than just your own reflexes. And I see you loving one another. I see you serving one another. I see you finding the boundaries of where you must walk in terms of physical safety, but at the same time determined to not let the calling on your life from God lapse. And not letting a bitter root grow up amongst you. And so it is that that I want to nurture in us today. And I'm so glad that God uses words. I'm so thankful that there is no guessing what is in God's mind. Sometimes like you try to guess what's in your spouse's mind or in your teenager's mind sometime. Would you please use words? <laughs> God uses words. Thank you, Lord. You use words, and we don't have to guess. Oh, I wonder what the Lord is thinking. I wonder what is in our Lord's mind for us and all that we face. And our Lord's words from the Sermon on the Mount to seek the kingdom of God first are helpful words for making our path in this new year and to make sure that it's not just our path, but that it's God's path. And I find that helpful for a couple of reasons, that this kingdom that we are to seek, and I define God's kingdom simply as the sphere of God's rule. Entering God's kingdom is to enter into the sphere of his rule, and I find it helpful to seek his kingdom because God's rule, the sphere of his rule, is a place where we are secure. It is a place where we are safe. It's a place where all of the things that God blesses us with in Christ, we can't be robbed. <laughs> God's purposes for us can't be thwarted. Nothing can take away what God has ordained to give to us. And that is so different than the tribalism of our day, which is by nature insecure, which by nature is fearful, which by nature has to enforce its own boundaries in order to stay strong. 
and angry <laughs> at the same time sometimes. But we don't have to be that way in the kingdom of God under God's rule. Secondly, it's helpful because in God's kingdom, there is a blueprint for living that is so contrary to the world's way of living and thinking. And it's important that we seek this kingdom because of this blueprint that is so counterintuitive to our own instincts, so different to our own defaults, to so different than just flowing with what we feel and, and the, 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 the emotions that we feel in the world in, in which we walk. And we have to seek the kingdom because it's a different kind of kingdom. It, it's not a kingdom that can be learned by looking at the kingdoms of this world and then just thinking, well, it's exponentially bigger because God is more powerful and has more rule and is God. It, it, that's not what God's kingdom is. It's not how God's kingdom is understood. God's kingdom can't be learned from the kingdoms of the world, as we just sang or will be singing <laughs> of the power of the cross, the kingdom of God is learned most profoundly at the cross of Jesus Christ. Matthew 6, 33 says this, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. Lord, please help us understand these words. These are words in the larger context of the Sermon on the Mount, which is an authoritative teaching by Jesus to expound the interior of the kingdom of God. You read through the Sermon on the Mount, and I would commend it to you to read all of it. You'll be going from room to room to room to have expounded to you in all of those rooms. What, what does the kingdom of God look like? How is it contrary to our own ways and to our own patterns of thinking? And Jesus gives this command in this authoritative teaching to seek first. Now, a lesson in grammar that I promise won't be more than grade six grammar, that it's, the verb is an imperative. It's not a suggestion, it's a command. You're to seek it, do this. And the verb, the command, what we are to seek, has two objects, a compound object it's called, separated with a conjunction called, with the word and. We're to seek two things first to seek the kingdom of God, and we are to seek his righteousness. Seeking God's kingdom comes at the expense of our self-rule. And seeking his righteousness comes at the expense of our self-righteousness. Can you get that? Seek two things, and seeking those two things we're going to experience the loss of two things. <laughs> the first thing we're going to lose is self-rule because we're in his kingdom. And the second thing we're going to lose is self-righteousness because we're seeking his righteousness. Giving up self-rule is where we forsake our strengths. We forsake our own strength, that we, we have the power. We, 
we have the technology. Giving up self-righteousness, which is perhaps even harder than giving up self-rule, is where we forsake our vanity, where we forsake our own wisdom, our own self-righteousness. And this is a great mercy of God, that, that he would lift self-rule from us, that he would lift self-righteousness from us. Imagine the, the burden and the weight that it is to try to make our way in this world with all the perplexities that we face and all of the complexities of, the, of what's going on in our culture, to face all of those things in our own strength and in our own wisdom and approach them in our own self-righteousness. It is the root of a lot of our anxiousness the root of a lot of, a lot of the things that, that make us feel unsafe. And so it is a, a mercy that God lifts the yoke of self-rule off of us. It is a mercy that he lifts that heavy yoke of self-righteousness off of us. And he says, my burden is easy and my yoke is light. You don't have to rule. You don't have to be right. Point them to the one, point people to the one who rules and to the one who never fails to be right. It is not only a mercy that God lifts those things from us because of how they tend to make us anxious, but it is also because of those things, our self-rule and our self-righteousness, that we're sure to botch our own proclamation of the kingdom of God and invite others into the kingdom and the righteousness that is within it. So I hope we can see that it is a path of much repentance. Repentance is a good thing, right? I hope you can see that it is a path of repentance saying, forgive us, Lord, for reducing the kingdom of God to something that is within our power. We talk about God a lot, but sometimes we just carry on as if it was all our own strength. As if it was all up to us. And forgive us, Lord, for reducing our engagement with the world to the attitudes and the feelings of our own vanity and self-righteousness. What a gift it is to be given and seek the righteousness of God and forsake our own self-righteousness that in this world, the church is not seeking a validation of our own righteousness. See, that's what tribalism does. It's always looking for validation. It's always thinking that it can be robbed. It's always thinking that it, can be, that it can be plundered. But the kingdom of God is not like that. We're not looking for validation of who we are at all because that is given to us by God. And that is what creates the capacity for meekness. That is what creates the capacity for all of the beatitudes of the Spirit, 
of the Beatitudes of the, of the kingdom. Poor in spirit, mourn the meek, be hungry and thirsty, peacemakers, persecuted. And so we not only pray for forgiveness, but we pray for help. Help us, O oh Lord. Help us to cast ourselves upon your rule. Help us, O oh Lord, to cast ourselves upon your righteousness day in and day out. Here's the main point that I'd like to get across. If, if I've lost you, this is where I'm going. That there is a clear and simple path for us forward. Thank the Lord for that. When the kingdoms of the world are shaken, not only shaken, but stirred and shaken. <laughs> Try to drink that. The psalmist says, O oh Lord, when the foundations are shaken, what can the righteous do? It's an acknowledgement that there is in the calling of God's people to live amongst the kingdom of the world, the kingdoms that are shaken. And the path for us is, is, of course, to seek first a different kingdom, another kingdom, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. But what does it look like? My favorite question. One of my favorite questions. So what? Well, so how? So, so what? What does it look like to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? I want to point out that it's, first of, first of all, in a culture of opposing, it's, it's a positive command of seeking. And not only is it a positive in nature to be seeking, it is counterintuitive to our reflexes. In other words, there's, there's a blueprint for living, for advancing the kingdom that is not like our natural wisdom at all. Jesus says to seek first. Notice first that it is seeking that unites us. A positive motion, a positive direction. Let's seek this together. Jesus does not say, but oppose first the world and all its unrighteousness. <laughs> Some of you have been in churches like that. What unites us is our seeking, not our opposing. Church experts are starting to talk to pastors about all of the cultural dynamics that are coming to the surface in the years of things that we have been facing together. One of them is that people will tend to choose a church more than anything else based on that church's decisions about public health orders. Another one is that bloggers tend to rule. 
the bloggers and their creation of online virtual communities that unite people together, but what a dynamic that is happening, and I, I think I see it, it, it as well, that in our world, that it seems to be something in our culture now that's, that's all about opposing. It's all about something that we hate together. Instead of these, these communities and friendships gathering and being formed because they love something together, because they're seeking something together that is good, <laughs> they're hating something together. Uh, those are lovely communities, I'm sure. There are things that we will and we must oppose in this world. There are things in this world that we will, as God's people, oppose. Make no mistake about that. But we will oppose wrongly if our opposition isn't saturated in and flowing from what we are seeking rightly. And all of the things that God causes us to oppose in the world, we'll screw it up if we're not, first of all, seeking properly, seeking well together, if the thing that is binding us together is opposing, we'll screw it up. But if the thing that is binding us together is our positive seeking of something, and it is in that seeking that we learn how to oppose, then we will oppose well. And we must oppose many things. But in our own strength and in our own wisdom, we'll screw it up. We'll take all of the things that is wrong in the world, all of the tribalization, all of the cancel culture that is out there, and we'll create our own Christian versions of it. <laughs> you perhaps are familiar with evangelicalism enough to know this dynamic. We'll create our own tribalism. <laughs> we'll create our own cancel culture in the name of Jesus. And there are things that we absolutely must oppose. There are legislation in our country right now that I couldn't call it anything less than a demonic attack upon the family that does cross the lines, that does say, this is where we will stand with the scriptures. What does opposing of that look like? Well, we'll learn that by our seeking. By seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I hope you trust us. That we may not be on the internet trying to get bragging rights for being the most outraged in the country, but that we will carry on. And there will be nothing that is withheld from the pulpit here that the Bible calls us to say and to preach. But we want to learn how to oppose by our seeking. And the things that we oppose, we want to oppose in a way that comes from that seeking first. We need to nurture families, don't we? We need to encourage parents. 
with little boys and little girls. Nurture them. The blessing of being a boy, the blessing of being a girl. God's given you that privilege. Let me tell you a story. I love the stories of the Bible. This is a story about David. The stories of David are the stories of the stuff of life. They're emotional. (laughs) They deal with injustice. They deal with fear. They deal with all of the emotions that is known to us. And yet the rule of God is there. And part, I think, of of learning to seek well together is being saturated in the scriptures, knowing the stories of the Bible. So much preaching today tends to use the the stories of culture, the stories from the movies to to illustrate the, the Bible. The Bible has enough stories of its own to illustrate its own truth. And those stories stick with us. Those stories you can go home and read over. And I would commend the story of David to read it. And and then use the Psalms to to work through your prayers and all of the emotions that, that come into your life. Remarkable gift that the Psalms are for a prayer book. But in 1 Samuel 22, verse 2, it says this about David. He's fleeing from Saul. He's been he's been flushed out of the presence of Saul, who is now the, the cowardly unwanted king, flushing out the anointed king of Israel into the wilderness. And 1 Samuel 22 says this, that all of the people in debt and the people that were embittered and the people that were opposed gathered themselves to David. (laughs) In other words, this group was a group that was all about opposing. This group was a tribe that was threatened by Saul. This is the group that wanted to cancel Saul. And these, day, these men applied their natural wisdom, their own strengths. And they proceeded on the assumption that the strength of these men would establish David's kingdom. And they were strong men. Oh, they were strong men. To read the exploits of David's men is is quite a reading. These were men who could take care of business. But that was their their default. That was their mode in in the world. And and by their wisdom, if Saul has canceled you, then, then you should cancel Saul. Look, there he is, David. Just laying there asleep. Chop his head off. There he is, David. Just stand at the entrance of the cave. Go ahead, take him out. It's yours. Look what God has given you. (laughs) But David knew that his rule, his strength, his rule could not create God's kingdom. Rather, David knew that it was the kingdom of God, the power and the authority of God's kingdom that would create his rule. Isn't that a marvelous thing? There's something something outside of my own self, outside of my own strength, outside of my own wisdom, that if, if that does not create my rule, then there is no rule for me. 
It's marvelous. It's almost like he, he knew what Jesus would say to Peter in the garden of Gethsemane when the soldiers came with their swords and he said, put down your sword. My kingdom is not like yours. The same is true of the church. The church does not create God's kingdom. Rather, it is God's power. It is God's dominion. It is God's kingdom that creates the church. <laughs> See, we're not a tribe. We're a chosen race, a holy people, royal priesthood. And it is God's dominion, it is God's rule that creates us in the first place. There's no other way to explain our existence. And being created by this kingdom, we are called to proclaim the kingdom in a way that invites sinners. In a way that invites sinners into this same kingdom that we are in, in order that they too would experience then the righteousness of God. It is a marvelous path for us, a wonderful calling that, that we have. How is the kingdom proclaimed? How does that kingdom advance? And this is part of the blueprint. This is part of the upside-down nature of the kingdom of God. This is where the Beatitudes come from. The kingdom is proclaimed and advanced through sacrificial love. Through sacrificial love. Which is so often beyond our own strength and not within the reason of our self-righteousness. Do you have the Lord's cup and the Lord's bread in your hand? Or you will have in a few minutes as we participate at the Lord's table together. That cup and that bread that you will be holding is the blueprint for the kingdom of God. You won't find another blueprint for building any other kingdom anywhere like it. It confronts the sin that is so odious to God's rule, not in any way denying or minimizing the odious nature of that sin, but confronting it with the love of God. And Peter himself had to learn this. He was zealous for God's kingdom, zealous for God's kingdom with all of his might, with all of his power, with, with all of his own vanity. But in that zeal for God's kingdom, he had the devil's blueprints in his hands. You ever get the feeling sometimes that things are right but wonky? Hmm? <laughs> Every time you look in the mirror, right? That's why I'm glad I can't see in most mirrors. I guarantee you you'll face it in the church on the internet, with your bloggers. You'll face this 
Same thing that Peter. There's something right about this. There's something right that we're opposing. We're, we're using the Bible. We're saying the right things about God. We're saying the right things about culture. Saying the right things that we need to be against. Saying the right things that we need to be opposing. But yet there's, there's something wonky about it. And what's wonky is the blueprints. It's like you've got all the right materials, all, all cut to the right length. Everything's there. It, 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 it's ready to go, but, but you've got the wrong blueprints. It's right, but it's wonky. And Peter had to learn this as well in the proclamation of the kingdom of God. He was full of power and full of self-righteousness. But when he stood on Pentecost to call people to repentance, it was in the absence, it was at the expense of his self-rule. It was at the expense of his own power. It was at the expense of his own self-righteousness, which he had just learned those lessons through his own betrayal of Jesus. And his preaching did have power. It had tremendous power, but it wasn't Peter's power. Peter was emptied of all of his, of his, of his own strength and, and wisdom and, and vanity. And it was the power of the Spirit. It was the power of the Spirit taking truth into the hearts of people. That is how the kingdom of God advances. Praise the Lord for that. It is a marvelous, marvelous thing. Let me ask some what ifs. What if all of the trials that we are facing were God's purposeful way to test the church, to test us to see what's on the inside? Deuteronomy 8, 2, God says this to the Israelites. He says, I'm doing this to test you to see what is in your hearts. <laughs> wow. What if all of this was to test us to see if there's anything of God's rule in us? I can tell you when the virus will end. <laughs> the virus will end when God's purposes for it are finished. That's when it will end. And so will the world. The world will end when God's glory is delivered to the degree that he determines. And so we're to be about his glory. Not wondering when the end of the world is. What if his purpose was to refine us? What if his purpose was to take the dross out of us, to confront our self-rule? What if like the boy Samuel, whose mother's prayer was referred to earlier in the service, Hannah, and the boy Samuel in the temple taught by Eli, what if we were to Take that same instruction that Eli gave to Samuel and say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. What kind of path would that make for us? Would we, would we put boundaries on the things that we would allow God to say to us? Say, well, no, that's just too humiliating. That's just too different from the way that we usually do things. These are my personal prayers for 2022. That God would help me to bring all of my stuff into the kingdom of God. 
You see, I'm part of tribes. I'm part of all kinds of tribes. I'm from Alberta. That's a tribe. I'm tall. I can't make myself short. I'm vaccinated. I can't make myself unvaccinated. But I want to bring all of my stuff into the kingdom of God. And I want to take it from room to room to room to show my stuff what the rule of God looks like. And this is kind of what I expect. I expect that I will grow in my capacity for suffering. I'm so entitled. My capacity for suffering is so small. James 1, 2 says, Consider it all joy, brethren, when you face trials of all kinds, because you know that by it you will be tested. Romans 5, 3 says, Rejoice in your suffering, because you know that suffering leads to endurance. I expect to need to grow in my capacity for suffering. If my stuff is in the kingdom of God, I expect to grow in my capacity for humility. I am an arrogant person. And when I get an idea in my head, an opinion in my head, I think it's right. So I'm praying, Lord, would you give me the capacity to hold the things that I'm holding on to today with the awareness that tomorrow I might be repenting of those things as being so wrong? <laughs> would you grant me that humility? And gracious words. Sticks and bones can break my bones, but words can cut me deeper. Proverbs 10, 11, the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. Ephesians 4, 29, may your words be grace to those who hear. Doug, would you please come? I'm going to ask one of our elders, please, to come and lead us in prayer using a psalm, using a scripture. It's part of the habits that we're trying to nurture and develop in our public worship. It's the reading of scripture and then taking time to pray through that scripture. Doug is one of our elders, and I've asked him to please do so. Thank you, Barry. If you're at all like me, your mind's probably just a little bit mushy right now, right? With so many things that you're thankful for and so many things that, oh, so many things we need to change. And we serve a great God. Some verses from Psalm 118, and I'm going to take liberty and go back one verse because I love the declaration of it. It is you are my God, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, and I will extol you. And then our verse that we will spend some time in is, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. 
one thing I know about me and us as people is we are fickle. Right now, my heart is full of uh, praise, and yet within seconds, that can change. And yet, God is not. He is steadfast. He is the rock on which we stand. Would we pray together? Father, I, I love this moment that we have on so early a day in the year, this new year of 2022, that we can spend time with you. We can spend time with God's people. God, our hearts are full of many different emotions, and sometimes we feel such sense of disappointment in this last year, and yet you are there with us every step of it. Father, so many times we, we failed with feelings of deep uh, frustration and anger because things weren't going our way. And it wasn't, it wasn't anything that we could necessarily control, and yet our emotions sometimes went off track. And we confess that to you. Father, we are thankful that you are good, that you work all things together for good to those who are called according to your purpose. And we are thankful that you are on the throne. You will never be removed from the throne. And we want to go farther and also have you on the throne of our lives. God, I pray that you would, you would change our, our thoughts, that we would seek your kingdom first, as was talked about so clearly. Father, that we would take ourselves off the throne, our, our own selfish desires, our own selfish, uh, sometimes our own agendas and our pride, and that we would seek you first. I thank you that your steadfast love endures forever. Father, for how many times we, we try to change things, we try to change ourselves, and yet that lasts only for a moment. And you were steadfast. I thank you for your promises that are true and amen that we can trust in. God, for this coming year, we all have maybe things that we are striving to change in ourselves or things in our family, things around us, things that we are going to purpose really hard to change. And yet, some may last and some may not. And yet, I pray that we would seek first, above those things that we desire to change, we would seek first your kingdom. We would seek first to surrender to you our thoughts, our actions, our words, the things that come out before we even think about sometimes. We would lay those before your throne. And may we seek you and your kingdom. And from that then flows love to those around us. Even though we may be opposing things that we should be opposing, but we would do so with a proper motivation, not because of how we've been wronged, but because of your glory. Father, help us to love with an unselfish love. Help us to be sacrificial in the way that Christ was, to be sacrificial to our families and to those around us, the people that we work for and the, the, the people that we serve. God, I thank you for this amazing opportunity in the beginning of this year to focus on what it means to seek first your kingdom. We thank you for the sacrificial gift of Jesus. How from the very beginning, none of, of, his, of his birth leading through the events of his life up to his death was anything of a surprise or anything of a shock or anything out of his plan. May we look at that example of sacrifice and do likewise and seek to serve those around us. Father, thank you for this amazing gift that you've given us.
And as we look, we look at this table, Father, cause our hearts to shed the things that are worthless and meaningless and take on things that will last forever, being your kingdom. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thank <laughs> you.